Welcome to Unlike-Minded, a sci-fi audio anthology. While You Were Dreaming by Katie Rose Rogers It would be simple. The process, that is. And painless. Not that Nora worried about pain. Her body did what bodies do. It bled once a month, sweated daily, inhaled and exhaled constantly, and fell in love for the first time with a carpenter named Joe. Her body loved to be in love. It never tired and rarely bruised under the calloused press of her lover's fingers. Her body was fine. There was something wrong with Nora's mind. The process would help. It was a blessed alternative, really, to waking in the middle of the night mid-scream. To have to switch on the light in exhausted humiliation, wake Joe while blurrily scrawling the terror that woke her before it disappeared, and then hoping for and dreading sleep again, knowing that rest never waited for her, just more nightmares. Besides, it was her therapist who had recommended it, so it must be safe. The youngie and Dr. Mallory was four sessions deep. Four sessions where Nora read from her little dream journal and Dr. Mallory listened. Nora detailed a dream where she sat in the attic as a child. She knows she's a child because her limbs are loose and small. She sits on the splintered wood in the attic until the floor turns into a pool with no ladder. She swims in circles and circles, exhausting her tiny arms and legs until the water fills her mouth and she begins to sink. She stares up at the attic rafters from the blurring water. She feels her eyes burning, her lungs too. She's drowning. Then she wakes up. Another dream where Nora walks through her old neighborhood, the trees falling in her bath in great rumblings. She didn't even remember trees, but there they were. Giant eucalyptus. She can smell them still. The scent of forest, citrus, mint, honey. She smells them as they dive in great heaving breaths from the sky, wafting their perfume, cracking into the asphalt as they barely miss her ankles. She reaches the end of the street, has nowhere left to walk. She turns to face a fallen tree. She'll be crushed soon. She closes her eyes and sniffs deeply. Then she wakes up. The last dream, chronologically, as it occurred last night, had Nora in a nightgown. She feels the pink lace in her hands. Dr. Mallory took note of that in the yellow legal pad, L-A-C-E. Just as Nora fingers the lace, marveling at its detail, her nails crack open in the middle, splitting in two, burning as one might imagine a body being split in two burns. In shock, Nora examines her nails until a bit of dirt bubbles to their tips. Then water, now mud. Soil tumbles from her nail beds. Soil and blood mixes and flows, water falling onto the ground. Eventually, pale half-moon faces of orchids bloom forth from her finger beds. This is too much. She tears out the flowers and screams. The orchids with mewling, toothless mouths scream back, and then she wakes up still screaming. Her throat is sore like she'd been screaming for a while. She looks to Joe's side of the bed. He's moved to the couch. He'd moved there a few nights before, so violent were her dreams. That is why she's here, to solve this little mind problem. She doesn't want it affecting her healthy relationship. 
And where is your mother in these dreams? Dr. Mallory asked in a soft voice. Dr. Mallory knew the answer. Nora had talked about her mother in their second session. Not around, Nora responds. And if she was, would that change the projection of these dreams? Would they feel less... terrifying, Nora offers? And Dr. Mallory nods, her glasses clinging to the edge of her nose. Terrifying, Dr. Mallory repeats. The word in her mouth is a sharp diagnosis. There's a splinter between your toes you cannot pull. You have bad dreams because you have mommy issues. You wake up screaming because your mother abandoned you. Dr. Mallory takes the glasses from the small summit of her nose and chews at their ends. Nora doesn't even shift. I didn't know her. The next question changed it all. Dr. Mallory, Harvard undergrad, Stanford PhD, already knew the answer too, but still she asked, would you like to know her? Nora now swallows. Of course she would like to know her mother a woman who died in another country with another family. And the kicker is, as Dr. Mallory would explain, Nora could know her mother. With a new technology that Dr. Mallory had shepherded, gone are the days of EMDR and writing letters and never sending them. True closure is possible. All it takes is a little bit of artificial intelligence, some downloaded details, and the wish of the deceased person before dying to upload their memories to a server in case anybody would like to talk to them. Some of the greatest minds have already signed up for the process, sure that future generations would beg to talk to them and glean their wisdom in times of crisis. There are authors, tech gods, mathematicians, school teachers, and Nora's mother, an art historian with a speciality in the Surrealist movement, and whose book, Why Won't Dally Die?, made the rare leap from scholarly circles to bestseller. Nora had received a copy of this book in the mail when she turned 13 years old. Inside, her mother had signed, Hopefully this explains a few things. Then, sincerely, your mother. Mother was capitalized as if she were God. Sometimes she was to Nora. She knew she was created in her image, as shown in the black and white picture of her mother on the book's jacket. They shared the same cleft chin, the same two-fingered brow and apple round face. Her mother was blonde, where she was a brunette. She didn't smile in the photograph, so Nora couldn't tell whether she had the same crooked row of lower teeth. From looking at the neat line of her bottom lip, she didn't. Nora had looked through the book for more clues, highlighted and dog-eared, and then gone to the dictionary when she didn't know the meaning of a word. She had looked up, not in this order, fascism, latent homosexuality, surrealism, reincarnation, and her favorite, a word she often used in conversation, masturbatory. But besides making her a more interesting eighth grader, who declared her social studies teacher's interest in the Civil War as masturbatory nostalgia, the book did not explain anything. It confused Nora more. Her mother could write so many words to fill a whole book and only eight to her. As much as her mother hated Dali, Nora hated her mother more. This is what she had planned on telling her. But then her mother had died last year in a skiing accident in the Dolomites. The New York Times wrote her an obituary. It was glowing. Nora had looked through that for clues as well. She found a few. They'd used a picture of her from her book jacket too. But Nora could imagine her blonde hair had turned white. So how does it work? Nora finally asked Dr. Mallory. It'll be simple. Dr. Mallory takes out two small earbuds and passes them to Nora. Before you fall asleep tonight, put these in your ears and say aloud, Hello, Mother. And then, she's there. 
Not her, really, Dr. Mallory explains. More like a program of her. I mean, will she know me? Nora asks, attempting nonchalance. Not any more than you knew her. Nora's nighttime ritual took longer than usual. She spent an extra ten minutes in the shower exfoliating. She scrubbed at her upper thighs, the heels that her summer sandals had made rough, and finally her face, until she was as pink as a fresh babe. Nora wasn't unconscious to her nerves and brewed herself a cup of chamomile before kissing Joe on the lips. Wish me luck, she says, and he smiles at her. Then he asks, how do you wake up from the dream? I mean, just naturally? Dr. Mallory told me to say goodbye, mother. And then you'll wake up, all closured and happy. Guess so. And we can be married and sleep in the same bed. Joe kisses her on the cheek, the promise of a well-rested future still light on his lips. He has for the couch and Nora for the bed. She lays down, setting the cup of tea on the nightstand. It steams as she turns off the light, grabs the earbuds and carefully places them in her ears. She clears her throat, closes her eyes, and feeling very silly, says, Hello, mother. Nora's eyes open to the attic of her nightmare. In the middle of the room sits a woman with blonde hair, her back to Nora. Nora slowly walks to her, but her foot creaks on the hardwood floor and the woman turns sharply. It's not a woman at all, but a girl, not older than 16. She asks, who are you? Do I know you? The girl's voice is strong and carries through the rafters, but the question hits like a slap. Nora, have you come to talk about art? The girl asks, looking Nora up and down. Nora studies the girl too, sees her cleft chin deep and directly in the center of her jaw, her freckled brow. She laughs. No, I've come to talk to my mother. I wanted to tell her that I hate her. Well, I hated her. She died. Recently. You're not sad, the young girl muses. No, Nora responds. Nora looks around the attic now, sees the roof is beginning to leak. Water pools at her young mother's footsteps. Well, you're my first visitor. Should we talk about art? The girl is oblivious to the water pooling around her. The floor slowly morphs and Nora grabs her arm to pull her to the edge of the room as the floor opens, then deepens until the bottom is dark and endless. The pool of her terrors. She's drowned in this before. She remembers the gasping. But her young mother doesn't. She simply dives in, neat and tidy, no splash. Come on, she shouts to Nora. Nora watches her. The space beneath her feet will soon disappear. There will be no floor, just water. Instead of diving in, she says, Goodbye, mother, and wakes up. This is very strange, Dr. Mallory says. She was 16 and a teenager? Yes, and she had no idea who I was. Hmm, did you tell her? No, she just wanted to talk about art. She didn't adjust to your presence at all. She just wanted to talk about art. You say she dove into the pool. Look, this isn't going to work for me. Dr. Mallory chews on her glasses again. Nora stands up to leave. Wait, Dr. Mallory stops her. This might be an interesting opportunity. No, I want to go in there, tell her I hated her, heal and get married. Dr. Mallory grabs her tablet and types, scrolling a bit. It's possible her file is corrupted, stunted. Nora furrows her brow. How could somebody's memories be corrupted? This is new technology. It's like exploring space or the ocean. A lot is unknown. You said it was simple. The process is simple. 
you said this was just memories mixed with artificial intelligence, that I could say what I needed to say and be done. I did. Correct. Dr. Mallory is more curious than Faye's. This pisses Nora off. This doesn't feel intelligent. Interesting, though, don't you think? Would you try once more, talk to her, see how she adjusts, maybe tell her you are her daughter? I'll continue studying the file. Nora thinks, I'm not like in danger or anything. A corrupted file sounds, you are not in danger, you are just sleeping. Just say goodbye, mother, and you wake up, safe. This journey is all about you healing, your closure. Perhaps you talking to a younger version of your mother could shed some light on things, Dr. Mallory confirms. Like how she became such a cunt? So you'll try again. Joe cooks dinner. Fried flounder fish tacos, side of pinto beans, sliced avocado from California. Joe's a wonderful cook. He's just as meticulous cutting onions just as he is jointing a piece of wood. Often he doesn't need nails to build, as he fits the wood in place so well it holds without the intrusion of iron. And his hands. Nora fell in love with his hands before she fell in love with him. Large, with hairy knuckles and clean, broad fingernails. He never wears a watch. He plans on tattooing a wedding ring to his finger in lieu of proper jewellery. He craves commitment. Would you like me to sleep with you tonight? Joe asks as he plucks out a perfectly fried piece of fish. I could keep you safe. He passes the fish to Nora, who takes a little nibble. Perfect. And no, I'm fine. I want you to sleep well. Why are you going back? The process obviously doesn't work. Honestly, I'm curious. You know what they say about curiosity in cats. I always took that as a reincarnation parable, actually, not a warning. Reincarnation is a warning. You don't do life right, and now you're a slug. Or maybe I'm a cat, and satisfaction has brought me back. After dinner and the dishes, Nora strips down and enters the shower again. This time, she applies a mud face mask in the steam, rubbing the thick green goop into her pores. She really should have started wearing an SPF at a younger age. She looks down at her naked body in the shower. She scrubbed too hard yesterday. Her thighs are still red and have raised abrasions. Poor thighs, Nora thinks. I hurt you so. She will apply extra lotion tonight before going to bed as an apology. She'll be kinder to her body. She will handle her mind. Nora's in control. She feels the mud hardening on her cheeks and crinkles her face, allowing it to crack. She turns the water on hot and rinses. She puts on a fresh silk pajama set. It barely sticks to the lavender lotion on her legs. It all feels cool, cool, cool to the touch. Even the color of the silk is that of deep, dark ice. Nora puts in the earbuds. She closes her eyes and says, Hello, Mother. Nora's eyes open onto the street of her childhood surrounded by all those epic trees. She takes a deep breath and smells the eucalyptus again. She knows they're bound to fall as she remembers the nightmare, but for now, all is steady. In the middle of the street, her young mother sits, drawing something into the asphalt with a piece of chalk. But before Nora can say anything, she offers, You think I'm your mother, but I'm not. Is that why you left me here? Nora shakes her head. I didn't leave you here. I woke up. The young girl keeps drawing. I was swimming for hours, waiting. I floated for a bit, sank to the bottom, figured out I couldn't drown, so I just sat there, breathing the water in and out without time. Until a moment ago. Now I'm here. Nora can see what she's drawing. It's a picture of her, 
but it's grotesque, more surreal than caricature. I don't want to be here, not with you. You don't have wants, off the young girl's shrug. And you were my mother and you messed it up. You messed me up and I don't forgive you. I, you hate me. I remember, I hate you too. Suddenly the ground begins to tremble. The young girl looks at her terrified. What happens now? The roots of the trees surrounding them break free from the road like a sliced tightrope and whip towards the women. A sharp rock slams the young girl's cheek. What the fuck? She touches her cheek and feels the absence of blood. Before she can process, the trees slam to the ground. One after another, getting closer and closer. Nora grabs the young girl's hand and pulls her to her feet. They run down the road, but the road ends just as it did before. They are about to be crushed together until Nora says shakily this time and with less certainty as to who she is addressing. Goodbye, mother. Nora gasps awake. Joe is there. He puts a perfect hand to her face, concerned. You were screaming. I tried to wake you up, but I couldn't. Nora takes out the earbuds. How long was I screaming? Hours, he hugs her. I'm so happy you're awake. I think we're done with this, right? The process is obviously not working. That was really scary, babe. Babe? Nora's somewhere else. She tries to focus. She nods, but she can't get the look of that young girl's face out of her head. Her eyes are large, the same color as her own. Her mouth is open, and Nora could see finally that her mother had the same crooked lower teeth as she does. Nora could see her mother was suffering too, and this time it was her fault. She's not real, Dr. Mallory says, though it's fascinating you think she is, that you want to save her. She's stuck there. I thought she was like an encyclopedia with a haircut, but she has feelings. I saw them. She was terrified. She can't feel anything. She's basically a computer program, a faulty one at that. Perhaps it was due to her sudden death. Her files didn't upload properly and she thinks she's real. I tortured her. Nora takes a breath. I want to take her out of the process. Dr. Mallory leans forward at that. There's no taking her out of the process. Her consciousness exists forever. It's what she wanted and signed up for. But something went wrong. You said it. She's in pain. You can't be in pain without a body to feel it. Dr. Mallory attempts a gentler tone. Just because she looks young, that doesn't change her makeup. That girl will eventually grow to be the woman who abandoned you. I know all of that. Nora's tired these nights of exhaustion finally taking a toll on her body. But if we feel pain in our minds, you know, this is supposed to be a quick process, a conversation. I think maybe you are displacing your pain a bit. Maybe I misread you. You weren't ready for true closure. Dr. Mallory is sharp and to the point, disappointed even. I'm fine. I'm just tired. Nora tries to smile reassuringly, but Dr. Mallory doesn't buy it. Nora tries again. I know you're right. I'm going to have to ask for your buds back. Nora grips them in her pocket. I don't have them. They're by my bed. I didn't think to bring them. Dr. Mallory steadies her. I will send someone tonight to retrieve them. But please, consider yourself graduated from my practice. I will reimburse you for our sessions. So you're just giving up on her? On me? There is no her, Nora. And with you, I might recommend medication... Perhaps a Zoloft to soften the blow, bring you up to an even playing field. I'll write you a prescription, okay? It's not. Okay, Nora says. 
Thank you for trying. Fuck you for failing, Nora thinks. The elevator ride is a blur, but she hears the floors passing in soft, blurry beats. She walks to the car, locks the door, closes her eyes and puts the buds in her ears and says, Hello, mother. I didn't get crushed, you know. She hears and opens her eyes. She's relieved to see the young girl is drawing again. This time her thigh is the canvas and the paintbrush is a muddy tree branch. I was trying to get myself to bleed for a bit, though. It didn't work. All body, no blood. Before you saw me that first time, where were you? The young girl shrugs. Nowhere. You were the first to talk to me, and you did it all wrong. I'm sorry. You called me mother again. Then in phone, Nora. Goodbye, mother. It's how I get in and out. I have to say hello and goodbye. She points to the buds in her ears. Magic. Nora laughs. More like science. Nora looks at the girl's thigh. A beautifully drawn tree with sprawling roots grows from her knee to the ridges of her dress. Nora looks at her own dress. Pink lace. L-A-C-E. She looks at her fingertips. Knows what will happen next. My name is Beth. I know. Will you call me that? I can try. Nora's nervous, looking at her hands over and over. Is something horrible going to happen? As if to answer, Nora's fingernails begin to split. Beth is horrified. What is wrong with you? Nora doesn't answer, just tries to distract Beth and herself. Tell me about Salvador Dali. Beth begins to rattle details. She can't help it. Salvador Domingo Felipe Jacinto Dali y Domenech was a surrealist artist born on May 11th, 1904, Figueres, Spain. He was a Taurus and a complicated man. Nora's fingers are beginning to bubble with soil now. The orchid's angry heads come next. The pain is coming. Is that going to happen to me too? Will I be stuck here like that? Nora grits her teeth. Did he have children? It was thought that Dali did not enjoy sex. With men or women, he tried both. Will you be leaving me soon? I want to save you. The orchids begin to scream now, shrieking loudly. Nora rips them from her fingers and throws them to the ground. She can't speak, just nods. Beth looks at her own fingers now. Her own split too now. Nora will be leaving her soon with the pain and the flowing soil. But as the orchid births, Beth pulls it from her nail bed. She examines its pitiful, beautiful face. To Nora, I never wanted to be a mother. She rocks it in her arms for a moment, and the orchid finally stops shrieking. Nora looks at her in a mix of pain and confusion. Do you remember me? Beth doesn't answer. Just stuffs the orchid into Nora's mouth, pushing harder and harder as she gags on it. She grabs the earbuds from Nora's ears and places them into her own. Nora reaches down her throat, trying to pull the orchid out so she can say the words and wake up, but she can't. It burrows into her esophagus. Beth kisses Nora on the cheek and says, Here goes nothing. Goodbye, daughter. Nora's eyes open softly. She's in her car still. She looks at her hands, her lips, her crooked teeth in the reflection. She fingers her brunette hair with distaste. Her fingers turn the key in the ignition, her foot heavy on the pedal. Nora's body drives home. It takes a long, hot bath. It drinks a glass of wine, then a bottle. It makes love to Nora's fiancé and sucks the salt off the fingers of his glorious hands. Nora's body remains fine. Nora just lost her mind.
This has been Unlike Minded, a sci-fi audio anthology. While You Were Dreaming was written by Katie Rose Rogers and narrated by Katie McGrath. Unlike Minded is an August year-round production, created, produced, and edited by Robbie Hine. Our associate producer for this episode is Noah James. We'd like to give a special thank you to everyone who has supported this independent podcast production. You can keep up to date and find more info about this podcast and others on Instagram at the handle augustyearroundprod or email us at augustyearround at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tune in next week for another episode of Unlike Minded. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.